So hi there, everybody, and thank you for joining us on today's LinkedIn Live. Hope you're all well, uh, wherever you are in the world listening to us today. If you're in the UK, you're probably sweating and sweltering because obviously we've got a little bit of a heat wave going on at the moment. We won't complain, though, um, because obviously it's been a long time coming. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is James Osborne. Um, I'm an advisor to the recruitment sector, co-founder of the Recruitment Network. Um, for those of you who don't know the Recruitment Network, or TRN as we like to refer ourselves as, um, we're a community made up of recruitment business leaders from all over the world and recruitment advisors and mentors. And we've all got one core objective, to work together to maximize performance, productivity, and profitability. On today's LinkedIn Live, um, I've got Ben Kaywood, who's the VP of Sales across EMEA at Sourcewell, one of our uh, gold partners here at the Recruitment Network. So hi, Ben. Do you want to give a quick overview of Sourcewell for us? Yeah, cheers, James. So yeah, Ben, as James mentioned, but um, Sourcewell is a, a business development and headhunting platform that essentially uses automation and AI, which we'll come on to later, um, to improve the quality and quantity of what consultants do on a daily basis. So often these days, um, we hear that consultants are spending too much time doing admin uh, and not enough time doing calling, for example, or uh, it's getting harder and harder to, to reach the best candidates and the best clients that often take the longest to get hold of. That's really the problem that, that we're trying to solve here and ensure that the, the whole team has the data to, to improve themselves and not just always relying on leadership to, to help them improve. So um, it's designed in a simple, usable way. Um, wasn't expecting to do a product pitch, James, but uh, hey, yeah, any there chance you go. Hopefully that's we'll take it, Ben. <laughs> any chance. So, so, Ben, thanks for joining us today. I mean, the conversation we're talking about today is around AI, AI and recruitment, etc. I want to put a bit of a backdrop to this first and foremost for everyone listening. So I suppose the question is, why are we talking about this today? And obviously, there's been a lot of conversation about AI. Um, it's nothing new. AI has been around for a long, long time. But the reality is it's now really rearing its head everywhere at the moment. If, if you look at what's sort of going on and why all this is going on and why this is sitting at our agendas at the moment, in, in, a, in a typical tougher market, when the market's quite tough, I think recruitment organizations generally are managed and run a hell of a lot better than maybe they are in a, in a better market. Um, I think we saw this during the pandemic. Um, we were tighter on our cost management. We looked at ROI for everything and anything that we bought or we did. We obsessed about basically doing the basic stuff brilliantly and well and, and consistently. And we really, really hustled. And that's what you do in a, in a tougher market. The flip side of that, when you're in a boom market, as we've probably had for the last couple of years leading up to 2023, I think generally recruitment businesses aren't run as well. I won't say badly, but aren't run as well. I think we do well in the boom market, generally because of the market, um, despite the fact that maybe we're actually running our businesses in potentially an inefficient way. So I think it starts, we start to see complacency and slippage creeping everywhere. Uh, we become even more introverted as businesses and we spend less time in front of our customers because we're too busy transacting behind our computers. Uh, we chase turnover irrespective of that conversion into net profit. And we grow, but in doing so, I think we start becoming almost sub-optimized in how we're doing it. So when the markets then turn, as they inevitably did at the back end of last year, you end up with basically sub-optimized recruitment companies going back into a tougher market. And I think that's what the larger proportion of the recruitment industry has really been facing uh, this year, the last six to nine months or so. I think some recruitment companies obviously have done very well and continue to do so, but I think many less so, actually. And it's been quite a tough market for a lot of the industry um, in 2023. We know the market is definitely shifting again. Typically, it does shift, and it is shifting again um, and shifting for the better. I think all the indicators we're seeing at the moment, all the data, the conversations we're having is that um, business is doing better again now. We're seeing a stronger Q4 forecast for 2023. And 2024 has the potential to be a very, very strong year um, for the recruitment sector, which is great. Um, but irrespective of the market, you've got to be running at, I think, maximum productivity, maximum capacity, maximum performance. You need to be truly, truly optimized. Um, and I think um, 
if you want to navigate the tough times as a, as a recruitment company, as well as really maximize the good times and the opportunities, then um, this is really, really important. So what we've been doing here at TRN, we've been working a lot of members at the moment about optimization, improving the productivity, performance, um, the capacity of their business right now. A couple of things to think about, those of you who are members or non-members, if you're interested in this stuff, give me a shout. We've got a profit maximizer tool, which is a, almost like a calculator, which helps you identify the marginal gains that you can make that will have the biggest impact on the bottom line net, uh, net contribution for a, a desk, a team, or a, or a whole organization. We've been running the Summer of Efficiency program um, over the last uh, six to eight weeks about how to improve return on investment on any every line item you have in your business, how do you reduce your costs, how do you get rid of unnecessary wastage, which is important in any market, but especially right now. Um, and then recently, as I mentioned to Ben earlier, we've been running the Createch events, where ultimately what we're doing at the moment is we're building an end-to-end -end recruitment business just utilizing tech. There's no people whatsoever, tech and AI. So how can we basically have a recruitment company running every single stage of the workflow utilizing purely tech and AI alone? Not suggesting we're going to build one of those, um, but by having that in behind us, we can then create this amazing playbook, I think, for recruitment business owners about how you can really embrace tech and AI and really utilize it into your, um, into your business. So this obviously then leads into this whole AI is it an evolution? Is it a revolution? Or something we'll talk about in a second, Ben. Um, just to make it really fundamentally clear, I don't think AI is here to dumb down recruitment. I don't think it's going to dehumanize recruitment. A lot of people are panicking about that at the moment. I think what it does do, what it should do, what it will do is make us far more productive, far more efficient, and ultimately create more capacity for our recruiters to be able to spend more time doing more of the really important stuff, the stuff that really matters right now, which is the human stuff, getting in front of customers again, spending more time closer to our candidates and so on and so forth. So there's, there's the reason why I think it's worthwhile talking about this today. There's a lot of people talking about AI and a lot of stuff. And we've got a lot of events that we're running at TRN. Um, but I think it'd be useful to get Ben in. Now, obviously, Ben's um, with what they do at Sourcewell have got a good insight into AI. So, Ben, let, let's kick off straight with you. If we get straight into this, I suppose the obvious starting point is what actually is AI? A lot of people don't quite understand the difference between AI, machine learning, automations, et cetera. Give us the sort of the, the layman's terms, idiot view of what AI is all about. Yeah, good uh, good question. Probably a very relevant starting point. I think um, AI has been a, a catch-all term used across most industries, really, in the last sort of five years or so. Um, and it's been used very much in sales processes, if I'm honest. I think um, it sounds good. It sounds good. Um, and uh, maybe when you look under the hood, it doesn't actually do the AI part. It does more the automation part. And that's actually one of the first things probably worth mentioning is that AI, what it is, we'll come on to, but what it isn't is it's not automation. Automation is essentially a fixed set of rules that you have to change to get different outputs. And a key or an example of this would be something like um, keyword matching on CVs. That is, uh, that's, that's one that often comes up uh, in the recruitment industry. Um, and that is certainly not under the umbrella of, of AI. However, um, what AI is, is it's essentially trying to replicate human intelligence by learning in different ways and showing it in different ways. And some of the common ways that we all interact with these days are things like natural language processing. So being able to read um, the sentiment of responses or being able to read uh, context within any written language and being able to then uh, make suggestions or decisions off the back of that. You've got speech to text, which does what it says on the tin and text to speech the other way. Um, you've got vision, being able to, do, 
to to tell between um, different pictures and images like a wolf versus a fox for example uh, and then you've also got yeah i know <laughs> great example there's actually a, a deeper example we can go into there but um you've also got things like motion i'm sure we've all been uh, scared to death by the the robotics videos that you see running around where people are sort of kicking over four-legged machines that are, are getting back up and, and running after them so um there are lots of different ways that that the ai is um is being used these days we'll come on to like more of the the use cases i guess around around recruitment specifically but the the showing part is important because that's what ai actually is but within ai you have um the two mechanisms for learning uh, and i'm not going to go into these in, in in much detail as i say i'm trying to keep it as high level as possible but you have the machine learning side of things uh, and you have deep learning now I'm going to completely ignore deep learning because that is way beyond anything that I understand. Um, and I'm not necessarily um, going, to, going to spend the next sort of five, 10 minutes going into machine learning either. But the, the key thing is machine learning is it's probably the most common one that we come into, into contact with these days. And it's probably the thing that we're going to be most likely to use uh, in the near term, certainly, to improve our business. Uh, and that's the key thing here is to, to look at machine learning, things like um, uh, supervised and unsupervised learning, semi-supervised learning. These are all things you can look into in your own time. There's two really good videos, if anybody's interested in that stuff, uh, done by two uh, chief engineers from IBM. Um, you can YouTube it, and it's um, about AI and automation. And the second one is around um, supervised and unsupervised learning. But um, they would be really useful resources to go and look into before you start looking to invest in things like AI, for example. Um, just to give you like a, a layman example of where machine learning comes up most for all of us, and we probably don't realize it, is, uh, or maybe we do, is um, social media. Um, maybe you've watched a lot, a lot of Netflix documentaries like me, and um, you know that uh, every time you, you spend a bit too much time scrolling or you're, you're speaking about something uh, in the open and suddenly you've got more adverts and you care to think about all, uh, all talking about something that you've, um, you've spoken about recently or that you've hovered over for, for a little bit too long. So um, that's probably the most common example for where uh, machine learning is, is in our day and lives right now. Yeah, and we were absolutely, we had this conversation over dinner the other night with some friends. We're absolutely convinced they're listening to us as well because there's been so many examples when you're chatting to a friend about something. The next thing you know, look at your phone and an email advert's popped up about that thing. So how the hell did that happen? So turn, turn, turn off all of the uh, little Alexas in your, in your, in your house. The, um, I, I want to get just a, a couple, very quickly, just a couple of sort of the white elephants out of the room, I suppose. Or, or the two, I suppose the big areas of negativity, I suppose people talk about at the moment with all this stuff is around GDPR and, and, and bias. Um, yeah. G GDPR obviously is a big issue here. And I think that's going to come to a bit of a storm head at some point because obviously, you know, AI, et cetera, is all built around data and the size of that data and everything else. Whereas GDPR is all about the protection of that data. So they're almost like qu quite contravening. And I want to get heavy on the GDPR side because I think there's not much going on about that. This way, and almost figured it out. I know there's examples in Italy, I think, where uh, ChatGPT actually got banned for a while because of, because of GDPR. But on the bias side, I'm interested in that because obviously when it comes to recruitment, that's a big part of it. We talked about you know, training these systems to do things to think in certain ways, et cetera. What, what's your the risk factor around bias here? Because some of the things you described there, you know, about you know, being able to assess people's body movements and eye movement, facial expressions, et cetera, that can really lead into issues around and bias, couldn't it? Oh, what one hundred percent. There's um, there's uh, quite a well known example of that being the case where they ran an experiment between um, uh, for supervised and semi unsupervised learning, uh, and essentially they got the AI to go and try and tell the difference between a dog and a wolf, and 
what they found was it was getting it right after it had been trained. However, when they dug into the data and actually how it was deciding whether uh, it was a dog or a wolf, um, it wasn't actually looking at the picture itself. It just so happened that um, the majority of the wolf pictures that it was trained on were actually in the snow. So it's picking up the snow in the background. And this is why it's really important that when you're training or these models are trained, and this is some of the, the questioning that you can probably get into um, with anything that you're, you're looking to do in machine learning is, is understanding the transparency of the data and understanding how your model has been trained and how it's coming to that decision. This is where when you go into things like deep learning uh, and unsupervised learning, for example, is sometimes it's a, a black box whereby you might get an answer However, you don't know necessarily how it got to that answer. And therefore, that's where we need to be really be careful about things like bias um, and how that can ultimately come into, um, come into the, the results that you're getting. And there is a second part to that, which is actually um, the, the bias of the creators. So funnily enough, uh, a lot of the people involved in, in creating AI and the machine learning side of things are, are male. Uh, and actually, this can precipitate through some of the yeah, machine learning is the it's, it's the case, but um, yeah, it can precipitate in some of the, the algorithms. And you see this a lot when you see a lot of hesitancy around things like DEI, for example, where people are saying, oh, well, we can help with DEI through automation and we get into a long conversation around bias. But um, they're, they're things to be aware of uh, and to certainly ask questions about when you're having those conversations um, when you're looking to get into the, the, the AI space. Brilliant. And that's a really useful example there for anyone who recruits dogs or wolves in this industry. You got an immediate win there straight away. Thanks, Ben. Um, let, let, let's go on to, sort of, I suppose, sort of the benefits and the points of AI for recruitment businesses. Now, apart from the obvious facts that I think they're forecasting, I think it's the, the World Economic Forum forecasting 133 million new jobs will be created because of AI. So you know, any recruiter or any recruitment business should be looking at how their sectors that they work in will be affected by AI and therefore where the create job creation will be and therefore probably some future areas for them to be recruiting and moving forward. But if we look at some of the use cases that you've seen and how people are currently utilizing um, AI in recruitment, let's talk about some of those. And, and, I, and just to put a caveat to this or a backdrop to that, I suppose, um, one of the things that we've been looking at is understanding the sort of the future demographics of the job seeker. So, you know, in three, four, five years time tomorrow, next year, what are the typical demographics of a job seeker? If you break it down into the most simplistic format, you've got millennials who are making up the majority of the workforce you know, at the moment and will continue to do so, even though there are four different demographic types now in the workforce for the first time. But um, if you've got millennials who are making up the majority of the workforce, and if you look at the stats behind that, over 40% of millennials say they would rather engage with someone um, electronically than face-to-face -face or over a telephone. So that's where surely like, it means, well, if I'm going to start attracting, engaging with, working with millennials, um, maybe picking up the phone to them is not a good idea anymore. Maybe I just bring in a chatbot, right? And that's got to be a good example of, of doing that. So give, give me some examples that you've seen of where applications, I suppose, of where recruitment companies are using it, um, how they're using it, are they using it to enhance what they're doing, maybe to make it completely different or even to replace what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. I think what you touched on there is it's all about the attention economy uh, and all these apps that are being created whereby you can immediately decide whether you want to engage with someone or not. And it's the same when it comes to job hunting, for example. You want to have your, your the immediate synopsis of what job it is and you want to be able to swipe right or swipe left um, and then have an interview already or, or being able for it to then learn what job you didn't like and then be able to give you better jobs in the future based off you saying no to, to one. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that it's going to be a, going to be a shift, um, to probably a more self-service model. 
certainly um as you say with with millenniums and and um people people younger than that as well but just to touch on some of the use cases because i think um there there are two types of use case if you like like a two two umbrella terms or two ways of looking at it um the first is that you're either going to look to replace an existing process that you have in uh, have in place currently and the second is that you're either going to look to enhance it so they're the two ways of, of looking at ai and the truth of it is is that if you're looking to replace a process right now with what the what level of ai is available is that you're probably going to be looking to use automation anyway so if you're either looking to replace a process or you're looking to enhance it um, and a couple of the use cases i've got quite a few that i can run through but just at a high level conversation intelligence it already exists it's actually well used in the sales space at the moment i think that's probably going to be the next next frontier within the, the recruitment sector so um conversation intelligence essentially uh, sits on meetings it sits on phone calls it does speech to text it analyzes the text through natural language processing and then can help train you so it can tell you where you miss stuff it can then give you prompts on what to say during the call so the ability for a consultant to have really relevant information based off what someone has said in real time uh, and then it can also make those notes for you so it can update the crm uh, it can add that directly so it's then gonna do both essentially which is somewhat enhance what the consultant is doing through the conversational side of things but then also replace the data entry process that that consultant would be going through so conversation intelligence i think is going to be a, a near-term game changer for a lot of people um, within the recruitment space given that it's already got a strong use case in, in other sectors um, we look at things like sourcing for example right now a lot of sourcing people dress it up as ai um, but it's really just like keyword matching. There are maybe some other sort of algorithms going on in the background. However, true AI and sourcing, how I would see it going is that it would understand the success of your placements per client that you're working with. So it would understand what placements were successful, what placements weren't successful, who got rejected. It will learn from that data and learn from ongoing data as more of those placements try to happen. And then it will get better at suggesting better candidates from your database. Um, that's going to be probably sort of the next frontier I see, certainly within sourcing, mainly because LinkedIn own a lot of the data that you can't then just go and pull from LinkedIn. You'll have to run it from your, your own CRM. But um, you can ask questions, there, James. Well, I was gonna, does that align with like predictive analytics as well? So is that, is that sort of like where predictive analytics really comes into play about what is going to happen in the next 30, 60, 90 days, and therefore what we should be doing now to make that be prepared for it? Yes, somewhat, somewhat. I would actually, um, for predictive analytics, I would say that it probably fits better in outreach. So when you're looking at um, your outreach, for example, now this is something that maybe we'll talk in the about in the future of AI, is being able to understand or learn from what activity has happened and when in the past, when it's been successful, when it hasn't been successful, and actually then um, enable consultants to be better at planning their future activity or tell them right you should make 10 calls today on this customer or to these candidates because when you did it last year or when you did it a week ago you had really good outcomes at this time of the day or because they were they had this event happen so we're going to start looking at ai that doesn't just take your company data and synthesize it and make suggestions to you it's also going to look for data that exists with outside your company as well so pulling directly from the internet based on events based on the, what's happening in the industry for example it's going to start to bring that all together as a ai assistant and and we'll come on to this in a little bit more in a little bit of detail later on i don't want to use all my talk tracks early on but um the outreach side of things just to get back to that um we've got chat gpt 
it's basically trained on general knowledge right now, like the whole internet, um, which is great. It's uh, almost like a creative director for consultants. It enables you to, to write stuff um, quickly, get over writer's block and, and even help you uh, make sure that, that your language is, is used correctly. Um, so that's that's been fairly useful there. Try and find any outreach tools that have data that's trained specifically for recruiters, a bit like Sourcewell. We've got ChatGPT off the shelf. We've trained it on what good looks like, and then we've given it to, to, to customers. Um, interviews, we see a lot of um, AI interviewing take place on videos, for example, when people are recruiting for uh, graduates, the more junior end of the market, basically, it will synthesize what the person has said and say whether they're interesting or not interesting to the recruiter to speed up that process. Chatbots, you mentioned James, moving away from just a standard automation flow of you said this, therefore I'm going to direct you to this person to more of a natural language understanding. So you can feed it with your business data when you open what you're looking for and it can start to help make those decisions or have those conversations for you. Really good for things like field assistance. If you've got lots of contractors out um, on site, we'll come on to this in a minute about context and, and high volume, lower volume, et cetera. Um, but compliance tasks, also really useful for that. Um, and any inquiries as well. So I got to stop there because I'm conscious I could keep going. But <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic. And you know, there's there's a good there's some good conversations going on in the chat box. Because I'm looking at this at the same time down here, and I put some examples in here that we've seen, and some of our partners have mentioned. Uh, we do a lot of work with Vanessa Rath, for example, over in South Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a list of examples of use cases of top level stuff that you probably should be thinking about anyway, as, as some of the basic entry level thing. I think one of the important things, whatever you're doing, is just be careful. Because I've seen some content, some posts being put out, some emails being received to me, which have been clearly written by ChatGPT, and it's a bit ugly. So you've got to get it right. It's got to be tailored, personalized, everything else. You can't just use it. You can't be lazy with this or let it dummy down. Um, there, there is now, if those of you don't know this, there are a bunch of Chrome plugins and tools now which are being built, which are basically ChatGPT. I've, I've written down the word blockers. I'm not exactly sure what the word is, but their job is to sniff out and prevent those types of messaging coming into you. Um, so if you're using that as part of your outreach campaign and you're reliant on that, you might find you're being blocked everywhere and never at the and center. So uh, just think about that from that point of view. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to mention on that, it's really important that if you're using standard chat GPT, yes, those will work. But if you've got, um, if, you've, if you're working with a company, let's say something like Sourcewell, no, no pl uh, plug intended, but um, it takes a lot of that commercial data or the data that is off the shelf general knowledge. And we then train it ourselves so that you get something that's more bespoke to your industry. And we'll come on to this about the different layers of training that, that can yeah. be done and where the, the future of AI is, but just to mention. Okay, that. no, brilliant. Okay, well, let, let's move on now. So there's a list you can probably Google as many different use cases as you possibly like. And I'm very happy afterwards, maybe for Ben, us, TRN, to put together maybe a sort of like a, a workbook of here's 30 different examples of how you could use it and maybe some actual real life examples. So we're happy to share that with anyone afterward, after the session if you reach out to us. Um, if we move forward now about, what, okay, let's get going with it. How do we start with this? I think one of the things that we've seen and one of the things that we've been working closely with some of our members on is that the traditional recruitment tech stack that we've always had, if you, you know, we map these out and see what they look like, typically it used to be like a group of these different systems all clustered together. I think now what we're seeing and what we're certainly we're pushing more towards are these almost like task aligned workflows um, where there's real clear delineation between what could be out, uh, what could be outsourced and offshore, what could be automated and what should be human. So like here's a workflow and very simple what we're doing at Createch is here's a complete end to end workflow. Let's break it down and go that bit. If we use AI for that, we can get twice as much capacity. If we you've done that, it will save us time etc etc so there's lots of different ways of thinking about this blank piece of paper where do people start no i've got to do a strategy now what do i do ben 
Yeah, good question. Um, first thing, look at the context of your business. Don't try and copy someone else. Every recruitment business is different or niche, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, higher volume versus lower volumes are really important differentiation. Um, different requirements from candidates and clients. James already mentioned it. If you're dealing with the more junior end of the market, they're probably going to want a more self-service model sooner rather than later. If you're dealing with exec, they're going to want a more human-to-human -human approach rather than um, automation or anything like that involved. So anyway, where to start? Um, there are two ways you could look at it. One is to look at existing use cases that are available in the market and see if they're going to be a fit for your business and, and sort of pick them off one by one. Um, the other is to look at the problems or tasks that you're trying to solve uh, and then see if AI is the answer. And personally, I like the second part. Um, and a, a really uh, easy way to, to look at doing this is uh, just using a simple scoring method. Um, take all the tasks within that workflow uh, and then score them based on time the human impact on the success of that task. So how much does a human make that task actually successful, i.e. speaking to someone on the phone is going to be a human-related task rather than entering data is going to be, you can hand that to a robot. Uh, and then the last point you want to score it on is the, that task's impact on business success. And I say business success over revenue, increase in revenue, because the revenue and success are different in that people's view of success might not be higher revenue. It might be, B Corp status, or it might be more social awareness within their business. So making sure that you're scoring it in the way that's specific to your business, lower scores, high for replacing and higher scores are um, ripe for enhancing. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, um, I mentioned the tool that we've got the profit maximizer tool. Again, if anybody wants to copy that, happy to share it with you. Um, there's another, there's another sort of thing that we built and not quite a while ago now, actually, I think it probably came out of COVID, which is what we call the waste elimination checklist. It's a very sexy title. Um, and basically, it's a list about four or five pages long of where there is wasted in a recruitment company. And there's loads and loads of places that you don't even think about. Mm -hmm. It's just a really nice thing to sort of tick through. We're starting to look through the waste elimination checklist now with a very different lens on and going, actually, well, there's areas of wastage. Now it's asked the question, could AI slot in there and plug that wasted um, area, that gap of what, part of wasted? So, again, if anyone wants a copy of the waste elimination checklist, we'll pick it through to you and share it with you. Just reach out. But that's a really good example of it where you can sort of plug the gap about Okay, where do I start? Where's their wastage? Where am I? Where's my business not producing the right level of profitability at the bottom end in comparison to where it should be? Um, where are there indicators for that? And then, you know, um, where, where can I plug those gaps? Do, 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 do people need to go out and build stuff now? I mean, you know, should we all be going out and building our own AI stuff? Or do we go out and just buy stuff? Or you know, how does it all work? Because obviously ChatGPT, you, you can now very easily get the developer side of ChatGPT and do all sorts of stuff with it, can't you? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what we've done, essentially. Um, yeah, you can't really build this stuff yourself. I think the, the technology is moving too fast. The, the models are too, too, too challenging, unless you're a wizard at machine learning um, and the data sets that you need to train them on are, are, are ever increasing. So, yeah, you really don't have a choice but to really buy. Um, but the important thing is to look at what you're buying and making sure that it's pre-trained. Um, so it's got pre-training on, on the industry that you work in or operate in, or it's trained on a specific UK use case you want to use it for. And even better, if it has the capability to learn or take additional data from you, your company or your systems to refine that learning even further. Okay. I mentioned AI. I mentioned, sorry, I mentioned AI. We talked about AI. I mentioned GDPR. I mentioned bias and that type of stuff. Anything else that people should be avoiding or thinking about or being careful about or cautious about as they go down this process of mapping this out, this strategy? Please, please, please stop trying to get AI to take over the human element of recruitment, the talking to people and building relationships, sending out messages. You mentioned it, sending out messages that, uh, that have been created by ChatGBT, like 
it, there's a long way off it becoming that good. And I think the part that we all love about recruitment is the fact that we have human to human interaction. It, it should be helping encourage more of that and better interaction rather than replacing it. And also second thing to that would be to don't just take AI, the word as face value, do some digging on it, ask them what it's trained on. What, where's it learning from? Where's the data from? How old is the data? Like you don't want it to be training your consultants on something that, that on, on data that they harvested three or four years ago, because the market's changed drastically since then. So it's making sure that it's, it's as current as possible. Okay, fantastic. Now, I was in a recruitment business the other day, and we were, I was actually in the boardroom talking to the owners about their tech strategy, their AI strategy, and what they're doing, and how they're building it out. We had a really good discussion and started to build out a nice framework off the back of that. Mm. I then wanted to go out and talk to some of the consultants just to get a sense, a temperature check, really, about what they felt about AI across the business. Um, and a lot of them were using AI, but all sorts of random and different ways. There's nothing tied up, nothing. One had like, a pocket AI sort of stuff, and he was pumping out some billion searches here and someone's doing this and there's no strategy behind it. Everyone's doing their own sort of thing. So if we, if we want to get AI as a strategy within our businesses, uh, where, where do we start in the sense of how do we roll this out across our companies to make sure that it's aligned, it's a process, it's part of what we're doing. We don't end up with 2000 maverick systems and processes and directions going on. That's, that's usually the way it happens. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're looking at replace or enhance as the two ways of, of bringing a, AI in. So for the replace side of things, you want to run it on dummy data um, as close as you can to, to the real thing. And you want to do an end-to-end -end, um, test on the outcomes uh, and look back at how it got to those outcomes. On the enhance side of things, we have an adoption framework that we use. So obviously you scope out the project, but um, you want to ask about sort of the common causes of failure. So why would this maybe not work for our business? Um, but then also get the users that are going to be, that it's going to be helping enhance, get them involved in the buying position, uh, decision as early as possible, um, and ultimately have then the metrics that uh, confirm whether it's been successful or not. Some of the metrics that we use are adoption. Um, so do people use it? Experience, do they like using it? And then outcomes, does it deliver what it says it's going to deliver? So have those in mind. Okay, brilliant. The looking forward, because obviously I'm conscious of time, and I said we try and keep this about sort of 30 minutes or so. Looking forward, what, what's next? What's around the corner? We know that we're going to see more around predictive analytics. We know chatbots are going to be far more prominent and more human and different, I suppose, in how we're doing things. I think we're seeing some changes around virtual reality and, and, and augmented reality and that type of stuff, which I think is actually, I think is really exciting. I think Meta are doing a big push on that, and that will definitely hit into the recruitment sector sooner rather than later. Um, I know we're looking at some of the stuff that X or X Twitter um, are now doing around the recruitment piece, et cetera. So, you know, what, what do you see as the sort of the next stage? Because AI has come out of nowhere and it's hit a lot of people like a bit of a road train. Still yet to really fundamentally play its part yet. So we're still trying to figure it out. What, what's the next stage? Yeah. Um, again, good question. So I think there's a couple of things in the short term, like immediate term, basically what's happening now, given the focus on BD and getting more people back on the phones, which I know has been a, a common um, question or, or discussion that we've had. Um, conversation intelligence, I think, will be sort of the main thing that will help enhance recruiters right now, and it'll enhance them their ability to learn quicker be more confident on the phone and ultimately that will enable the business to book more meetings for example get more conversations at scale and um, be able to deliver more revenue so i think that's probably the the near term um middle to long term i was going to say long term but in the middle to, it's moving so quickly um i think the training of ai will improve no doubt um it will become more specific more personal as well so if you think about it in layers 
uh, in terms of like the data that they're training on, you've got ChatGPT right at the top at the moment, which is like general knowledge. And then you're th looking at, okay, well, how do I make that company specific to us? And you're looking at things like natural language, understanding it, feeding it with your goals and ambitions and the context of your business. So it has something that's more specific um, to your business. And then going beyond that is, is the personal level. I know there are a few apps and things like that that are testing this out at the moment, but almost being a um, personal AI for each of your users within the business, learning their behaviors and their successes and their failures and understanding then what to suggest or, or how they can best organize their day based on when they're most successful or most productive um, to get the most out of them. So it's almost like a, uh, an individual coach within the business. And then if we roll that all up into a, a business strategy, I think the, the key thing here is going to be if you if you bring it all together is you're ultimately going to end up with a AI assistant that not only knows the goals of the business and where it wants to get to year on year and you can reset those with your um, strategy plans, but that's then going to roll down support mechanisms or assistance for each user so that at all times everybody in your business is aware of the direction they're going and it's harmonizing everybody in a way that a human or multiple leaders and managers just couldn't do because it's going to be one entity rather than multiple people. I know that's sort of get, getting into the sort of the singularity territory and ex machina, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, yeah I think it's a, Doogie would say it's a pipe dream. So I'll, uh, I think that's probably where we're getting to. Ultimately, I don't think humans are going anywhere fast in recruitment. I think what AI should do is enable AI enabled recruiters should have better and more relationships with people. And I think the people that don't pick up AI soon enough just won't have the same amount of time and energy and knowledge and information at their fingertips to, to make those deep, meaningful connections that make recruitment so, so successful and powerful. Fantastic. Ben, as always, an absolute pleasure to, to catch up with you today. If, if people want to reach out to you and talk a bit more about what you know, Sourcewell, et cetera, what's the best email address to get you on? Uh, just ben at sourcewell.com. Ben at sourcewell.com. Fantastic. And if anyone listening in today live or um, to the recorded session of this, if you want to reach out to me about anything that we've mentioned and um, some of the stuff that we do across the TRM members, it's james at the recruitmentnetwork.com. Um, I'll sort of go back to how we sort of started, really. The reality is that the, the, the markets are changing. The markets are shifting again. Great opportunity ahead for the recruitment market. Our businesses need to be fit for purpose right now. We absolutely need to be more optimized than ever before, irrespective if it's a good market or a bad market. And I think that's really exciting. Don't just rush into this now and go, this is the sort of the sticky blaster uh, solution that's just going to change everything quickly now. Get a blank piece of paper out, build out the proper strategy that sits behind it. We'll share some tools and ideas for you to be able to do that. Um, but really think about this, because if you get this piece right, I think it can significantly transform your business. And I like to think in the next six to eight months, I don't know why eight, but six to 12 months, um, a large percentage of the recruitment sector, you know, a good 25, 30 percent of what a recruiter does and a recruitment business does is now automated or delivered by AI. Add to that a bit of outsourcing, add to that um, slightly more capacity with our recruiters. I think suddenly... We're all in a far, far different place than we are today. So, uh, Ben, once again, thanks so much for joining us and for the guys from Sourcewell. Those of you who join us, thanks, for, thanks so much. We'll be doing more of these LinkedIn lives over the course of the next few weeks. Lots going on, and we'll keep you informed. Other than that, otherwise, uh, thank you for joining us. Have a fantastic rest of the day. Take care. Thanks.